I'm Maddie Gray. I'm Robin Kopik. And I'm Sister St. Catherine, and you're listening to Grow Up, a Saturday morning podcast for heavenly millennials, where we jump back into some of our favorite media from our childhoods and uh, the, stick our fingers in it and toil it around and see if it uh, feels uh, good. That's uh, right. Yep. <laughs> see if it feels like it used to. This week on Grow Up, oh my goodness, we are doing a user suggestion or a listener suggestion, the Sister Act suggested to us by Austin Head. Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Austin. What's changed since last we spoke? Well, Catherine <laughs> is in Ohio. <laughs> That's a big change. I got a sudden text message to come work in Appalachia on a movie, and uh, it coincided directly with the polar vortex so <laughs> lucky um, you i've i've spent the last week doing exteriors which means we're outside um in sub zero degree weather Yuck. and it's even it's weird right now doing the podcast for me this seems like something from a past life oh <laughs> does it feel nice though i don't know oh god <laughs> no i'm miserable i hate doing this <laughs> i don't feel nothing uh it's because you're numb from the cold how are y'all doing also numb i'm so tired also numb. <laughs> uh the patriots won last night did they i didn't watch the super bowl i played D instead i um watched sister act and ate dominoes <laughs> <laughs> I that definitely did something last night. I can't remember what, though. You were at a bar. You said, I can't talk to you guys. I'm at, I'm a, at bar. a bar. And I went, oh, I just spilled pizza sauce in my sheets. <laughs> okay, I guess we can talk about Sister Act now. I guess. Um, had anybody ever seen it before? I had not ever really? seen it before. Really? I had seen a little bit of Sister Act 2. It's how I learned the word eclectic. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> And that's about all I can remember from it is that scene. But uh, and I thought like, oh, maybe I've seen parts of it. Nope, I had never seen any of Sister Act. Oh, that's so sad. It, it's, virgin no, alert! I, but a sad got, virgin alert. I don't think it's sad. I had a you know a very nice experience watching it and almost started crying at the end. And oh, reminded me that like movies are hard to make but they make people feel good so maybe we should keep making movies and not fly home to oregon <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody who missed the sister act growing up like Catherine did uh it was a 1992 american musical comedy starring whoopi goldberg dame maddie maggie smith and harvey keitel i don't know if anybody cares who it was written by or directed by but let me tell you who anyways it was written by Joseph Howard and directed by Emile Ardolino, who also directed Dirty Dancing. I have to stop you already. Why? You said Joseph Howard as if that's a real person. Is it not? Nope, that is a pseudonym because oh. the actual writer, this went through so many rewrites and went through like nine other writers, one of which was uh, Carrie Fisher. What? No uh, way. Yeah, which like in some places, because she was a script fixer in Hollywood mm. for a very long time. In some places, it's described as she was just one of the people who did a script fix on it. I, but I also saw that it was like Whoopi specifically hired her to redo her uh, dialogue. And Carrie, and like it, it caused so much like anger on set that Carrie at one point said like, 
to Whoopi, you're in a pissing contest with people with actual penises, which is a great <laughs> quote from wow. the late Carrie Fisher. Uh, but yeah, so many people had their hands on it that the actual writer, I forget his name, he didn't feel like it was his script anymore. So he uh, put forth a couple pseudonyms. One of them was the name Goofy, and they <laughs> kept getting shot down, and they landed on <laughs> Joseph Howard at the end. So who was the actual, like... His real name was Joseph Honward. Yeah, his real name was Joseph Honward. That sounds real. If anyone's listening to this because they're like doing a book report, that That's, goes in first. That, yep, that needs to be no. in your second paragraph. It's the only thing you need to cite. Yeah, you yeah, just, just cite, cite us. Grow Up, we... a Saturday morning podcast for nostalgic millennials. In fact, if you cite us in a paper or a book report, your name can go in the witching jar. Just, just, just do write it. In. We're gonna. Your name's That's your challenge jar. for the day, listener. I thought this movie was like super. It started super dark for a uh, basically a Disney movie. Yeah, it's it. That was another thing I kept thinking about. Is like this isn't necessarily a kids movie. One of the first spoken lines is "You don't give a shit." Yeah. Um, but it, so it made me think about the premise of our podcast that it's not just you know like it's kids media. It's media we watched as kids. So mm -hmm. we're getting all these kind of '80s movies that are a bit darker, but we're just around and we're on the VHS playing in the background while we were children. While older siblings, older cousins, or even our parents were watching them. For, I mean, for me as a kid, it was always a family event. Wait, Robin, had you seen this? Did you say that? Oh, yeah, I had seen it. I actually, I spent much of the time before re-watching Sister Act thinking of Sister Act 2. Because that oh, one is yeah. so much more prominent in my memory, but I have seen both of them. Yeah, I remembered Sister Act 2 a little bit better, too. But I had just seen this movie at a, um, like, movie in the park event by at the park that I live next to. Yeah, this summer. And it was, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that this was the first one. Yeah, and that's such a shame because I watched Sister Act 2 last night and it's a real garbage dump of a movie <laughs> and it really has like zero of the charm and the just finesse of the first movie. Is the music in the second one any good? It's fine. It doesn't have the heart of the music in the first one. Yeah, this the music in this movie is so good. Um, in fact, I didn't... So um, there's a time that they sing... Uh, that you're never going to tear me apart from my god. I thought that that yeah, was the actual so lyric cute. when I was growing up. Oh, really? Yeah, because I didn't... <laughs> I think I had this on cassette or something. I know there's going to be a lot of, I'm sure, religious discussion in this episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because Rob... I was... Yeah. <laughs> Robin. Robin's dad is a preacher man. Preacher, a preacher man. man. And Catherine grew up Christian, and I grew up vaguely Christian? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, we're kind of all along the spectrum there where it was like, my parents are like, kind of religious, like they kind of believe in God, they don't ever go to church and they don't really, it's like, I never have Christian values put on me from them. And I don't know that they like hold them that close to themselves because my dad's an ex-Mormon. And I was a very hardcore evangelical Christian of my own volition mm -hmm. from like the age of 12. 12 to like 17 right yeah it was it was becoming friends with you guys that kind of started opening my eyes a bit <laughs> it was yeah it, i was 20 when i realized i was an atheist wow yeah um i was also 20 when i realized i was gay so 
uh, coincidence? Coincidence? <laughs> I, don't was, I think not. I don't think it was a coincidence. Um, yeah, so I'm sure we're going to get into the religious stuff because, like, the first watching of it, I was just enjoying it, and then the second watching, I was just kind of thinking of all the religious stuff they didn't talk about mm-hmm. and, like, how much it personally fucked me up. So I'm hoping we have a good religious conversation. I hope so, the, too. The nuances of it. But in the meantime, do we want to, uh, somebody want to describe the pro- plot, what happens in this movie? A uh, woman needs to go into witness protection program from her mobster ex. Uh, in Reno! In Reno. <laughs> and so she gets put into a convent where she has to pretend to be a nun. The thing is, she's very different <laughs> from all those nuns. Oh, yeah. She's not uptight. She's, you know, a lounge singer. She's the only black person in the convent. She likes to sing. And so she revolutionizes the choir and all is good in the world. Can we talk just at the top of this? This movie was written for Bette Midler. Was it really? Yeah, like (gasps) she was attached to it for a very long time. And then she was like quoted as saying that like she didn't think that her fans would want to see her in a habit and then and turned it down and then they went through a bunch of people and they landed on Whoopi and then now Bette Midler's like I missed out on a fortune like this is you know the biggest movie of Whoopi Goldberg's career financially yeah and this like, movie was super popular in the box yeah, office like I was looking at the IMDB page for her and because I was like what else is she really known for she was in Ghost and, and then purple? And, and yeah, and she's obviously very well known for Color Purple, but just like, f- but as like a blockbuster, this is her biggest blockbuster. Mm-hmm. As a cultural zeitgeist, this is her biggest movie. And I couldn't find recent numbers on this, but I found like this report in 2014 that had the 500 top grossing films on boxofficemojo.com. Mm-hmm. And only five of them in the like title starring role, not necessarily the title role, but the starring role, just you know the the number one not like kind of the co-star or something had a woman of color there were only five and the only one that was a live action was sister act it was the other ones were like mulan and princess and the frog and stuff like that wow so this is this movie is underrated for that aspect of it that it's it's huge it was and it wasn't and it wasn't intended to be like that and i think they added so much to it by having the main character be a black woman in this just all white nunnery that's outside like a very diverse impoverished community Mm -hmm. well there was a moment where it was the first time maggie smith's character laid eyes upon dolores who was Mm -hmm. played by Whoopi goldberg that moment struck me as super racist because mother superior walks into the room sees Dolores and immediately says excuse me and walks back out and goes absolutely not I'm not I'm not taking her in yeah and it Which, felt like such a race thing yeah and I think like what they meant for it to be was like how she's dressed and everything I think that's true but but I don't know maybe it's because we are in the era we're in now where like I don't really care how people are dressed um maybe there's something about like not non-judgment about people's attire in this era that doesn't translate as well but it struck me as a very racial moment i thought i thought so as well i was very like 
surprised almost. I think especially because we're this movie wasn't necessarily intended as a kids movie, but we're, that's where we're coming at it from. I think a child could very easily make that assumption, and so there was perhaps a different way to play that. Yeah. On the other hand, like part of the thing about Dame Maggie Smith's character, and she provides the conflict in this movie. Mm-hmm. So she's the one who sort of says, uh, who is resistant. She's representative of, you know, thousands of years of tradition and doing everything exactly the same and not disturbing the status quo, et cetera, et cetera. And so she provides that conflict for uh, Whoopi Goldberg's revolutionary progressive character. But because of that, you know, we're supposed to see her as uh, making the wrong decision, as doing things for maybe not the right reasons. Yeah, so it's even if it had been racially motivated, we're meant to believe that, like, (laughs) she's wrong. Exactly. She's the opposition in a way that's, like, she's the one holding on to, like, cultural norms that are no longer viable. Even in 1992. Tradition! Yeah, she's the tradition lady. She's the tradition lady. Tradition! Apparently, oh my gosh, so, like, (laughs) Whoopi Goldberg loves dame maggie smith and so she asked her to do this movie um she asked dame maggie smith why are you even doing this movie this is so beneath you your talent level is so like beyond this and dame maggie smith was like i have to eat you know (laughs) (laughs) we here at this podcast love dame maggie smith our favorite teacher in high school we gave everyone harry potter nicknames and we called (laughs) we called her professor mcgonagall so it's like i still like my impulse is to say yeah dame maggie smith's my favorite teacher and then i realized she never taught me she wasn't my teacher yeah um i almost didn't like the casting because it was so hard for me to watch what she went through in this movie and like how embarrassed she got and all of the emotional stuff she went through really hurt me like i wanted to root for her more than i wanted to root for Whoopi because i just (laughs) love her so much i know because i love dame maggie smith as a person so i wanted to be on her side but she was clearly in the wrong i think i think that's part of one of the they're trying to get you to feel that way about her even even in where we were saying that she's made to be wrong the character arc that she goes through is a redemptive one and yeah with that you also have the elements of like at the end of it you see that the things she wanted her motivations were you know maybe nice pure in the sense that she just cares a lot about her girls her nuns but she grew that was something that i really admired about that character was like she resisted change until the bitter end but in the end she 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 would like wanted to leave the convent because she thought that whoopi goldberg's character dolores was taking it over you know and it took whoopi goldberg's character saying no we can both coexist here and make this a better place for her to be like oh i guess we can and i totally like understood where she was coming from when she wanted to leave because it's like she's been there for we have to assume she says years but like at least like decades you know she's like she's had to have been there like a very huge part of her life and it's failing and then someone just breeze someone who you don't agree with 
so deep down and you didn't even want to let in just breezes through and suddenly the pope is coming right like that was such a shot to the pride and i was like i think like hopefully she could think of it as like it was her decision to let this person in so in a way this is her saving the convent but obviously she didn't see it that way but yeah i could totally understand why she would be like i don't have any reason to be here i need to move on because it's because it would really hurt your pride mm-hmm. but then again coming from like a christian perspective uh you should be putting your pride on the shelf you know yeah uh so it, it was a human moment of her it wasn't a very pious moment of her and that was her kind of coming back to like christian morality like what what christian morality should be of mm-hmm. saying like i'm not gonna take this personally I'm it's it's good what's happened and I'm gonna work with it and add what I can to it and not take it as like my own shortcoming and get mad about it and leave right and I think that the characterization of the Christianity or of the Christian religion of Catholicism specifically is a very pure one in this movie there's not there's not any of the discrimination that we see within the catholic church where there's not any talk of like no you can't have an abortion there's it's just like all of the kind giving parts of catholicism that you know we're supposed to be i was when i was watching this i was like if this is what christianity was actually like i would go hang out at church every once in a while to go see a fun choir right but this is not what church actually is yeah even though like i don't i don't believe in god i'm an atheist but just like i I do like the emotion of it and i was like this is making i like watching these people so happy and coming from that background i remember that feeling i know what they're feeling and I like being a part of it, even though I don't necessarily believe it. But there's just so many walls up between us, between atheists and Christians. And this movie's, you know, it didn't offend me at all Mm-mm. being a non-believer. And I was like, this is absolutely how Christians should be towards the public. It's just muddled down with so much, don't do this. And, and so many just... identity politics as well. And it should just be so much more on the, like this is what we're doing Mm -hmm. to make the world better. And that's definitely what this movie is, is like doing charity and taking care of people and then rejoicing in it. Well, that, but also like, who are we to say? We're a bunch of atheists talking about what, what Catholicism and Christianity should be. But, but but like, but I, I was deep in this Mm -hmm. when I was very young. And so I don't feel completely uninformed, misinformed and saying, how it should be i mean i think the one of the reasons that like none of us stuck pretty strongly to pretty strongly i think one of the reasons none of us stayed christian is because this form of christianity that we're seeing in this movie doesn't exist in the real world necessarily i know what the first fracture was that got me out of there Mm. and it was finally being like why do i have to feel so bad to be a woman Mm. and I was like I don't believe this anymore I don't think I have less worth mm-hmm. and I'm so tired of this and I like went to like a progressive church and I was just like why wouldn't I be allowed to like be a preacher mm-hmm. you know and and, and well wait, just Hannah, wait a minute because there are definitely there are churches that yeah allow women to be preachers and stuff but just the fact that like it's in the bible and it and 
that was what really hit me was also the the hypocrisy of it that it was like they did try to like lift women up at our church and stuff and i was like but this goes against the bible and they were always telling us like god would have overlooked everything that was in this book so we have to take it as literal as everything is correct and i was like but i but I just see so much hypocrisy in it. Like, why was it okay for Jesus to flip over tables? Why is it okay to do like these? Why is it okay to be mean to gay people, but we don't stone other? Yeah, that was what started doing the fracturing. But it was specifically like, why do I have to feel this way as a woman? The answer to that is Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's not wrong. (laughs) What I mean by that is a lot of the things in, in especially the New Testament, what we think of as the foundation of what you know when you say what christianity should be and i don't i don't like the word should so let me just get i know you don't but uh you know what christianity should be obviously is predicated on the teachings of christ who i view as a a uniquely empathetic individual a person with a capacity for empathy and love that was unrivaled in his time and era the person who came after him by came after, I mean Paul, the guy who wrote most of the rest of the New Testament, was not that person. He was not mm-hmm. a fundamentally empathic person. He was somebody whose life had been radically changed by the empathy and love that was taught by Jesus, but he didn't still fully understand it in a way that he lived it, and he started uh, he was still a genius. I mean, a, a brilliant person when it comes to like community organizing and making rules for these communities. He, he he did it in a way that I think a lot of the things that he said were like really intelligent and insightful things. But because he doesn't have that base of of empathy that like Jesus had, the things that he ended up saying really fucked up the church, and they were still based on prejudices and bigotry that Jesus didn't have. So a lot of the things about Uh, gay people or like a lot of the things about women being inferior to men and stuff those were all written by paul those are not the Mm -hmm. teachings of jesus that's all something that a guy other than christ was like this is the way to do it this is the way to be christian and just because he lived so soon after jesus everyone's like that's totally it you're right what do you think about the argument then that uh a lot of specifically evangelicals and like radical evangelicals i would say use when they say that god wouldn't let his holy book be wrong yeah uh the way that the bible was assembled is that there were just a bunch of scholars three to six hundred years after the events that just debated for a very long time over which books to include Mm -hmm. so it's still just relying on people Yeah, it's a man-made book that's been cut and pasted by man. But, like, we can say that now as adults, but there are 12-year-olds who are being pulled into rooms and told that demons are going to come following them now that they've accepted God, and you have to accept everything in this book or they're going to come drag you down to hell. I mean, I think that the Bible has been used to manipulate a lot of people tons and tons of people over the years 
like like now I understand all this like I understand how the Bible came to pass but it's just like not what's being taught to young people Mm-mm. and it's like this is their foundation of life is being told all this hateful scary stuff and it's not fair because you shouldn't have to be a child and learn these things that one aren't true and two are just trying to they're, they're just these like moral outcries that people are trying to like force you and manipulate you into being something that you might not necessarily be and it's so and the timing of it is so obnoxious because it's it's like it's mostly like young people that like you don't get the choice of your religion Mm -mm. and that's just such a sensitive time to get pulled into something you don't understand and be told all this stuff it's gonna fuck you up i have to be honest that's one of the reasons why this movie made me a little bit uncomfortable. Really? Because it is glorifying church, you know, it's church propaganda. <laughs> it's taking out any introspection, like what you were saying earlier, it doesn't have any of the bad stuff in it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't talk about those things. Yeah. But it doesn't, like, disavow them either. It's just making you feel good about some mythical hypothetical church that exists in a movie and then you want to go to church and you go to a real life church a regular church where Mm. bad things are still happening but you feel good about it because you saw that movie you know yeah and like and i don't want to suddenly be saying like oh my god churches are places of evil but it's just i've taken a sudden about face in the last 10 minutes because this is stuff i just don't try to think about and i'm like god i don't want anyone to have to go through the stuff i went through yeah i don't want people to be crying and awake all night because they think they're gonna be possessed when they're in middle school yeah i remember so i we met in high school but still through high school you had a very distinct fear of demons and i lived in a haunted house so that was not great I know, I remember, like, the other day, um, my boss, like, freaked out because she walked into a bathroom and the lights were off, and I suddenly remembered something, like, I hadn't thought about forever, that I was always so afraid of bathrooms with the lights off. Oh. I was horrified because of the Bloody Mary thing. Uh-huh. And, like, now, I don't give a fuck, like, <laughs> deep, you know, like, if Bloody Mary is real, cool, that's a fun thing, but, like, I, I would scream if I walked, like, have a panic attack if I walked into a bathroom with the lights off. And I just remember, like, all these conversations I used to have with myself that, like, I would notice myself being more masculine or maybe I liked this girl and I was like, I'm not gay. If I am, I'm going to be celibate my entire life and no one has to know. Oh, Like, that was, for years, that was normal for me to think about. Oh, and I hate that that was normal for you. And this, is stuff, this is stuff I've never really talked about. Yeah. Because I just don't want to think about it. And like and, and as I was saying, like on the first watching, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, this is fun, I like this movie, but then it was like, yeah. This is yeah. Whatever. I don't care. I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's even a chapter I never even got into with my therapist is like the church stuff. It can be hard to think about. Really hard to think about. Yeah, and I think it can be really damaging to a lot of people, especially young people. I mean, if if you're indoctrinated as an adult and you're making the choice for yourself, that's fine. But 
it's not fair to like force this religion on this way of seeing the world on a child and then forcing them to have to grapple with all of these things as a young adult all that shame all of the anger all it's not fair and because i still i'm 25 Mm -hmm. i haven't been to church in seven or eight years and i still routinely am ashamed of being gay and i know it's where it's coming from it's not from my parents no i know exactly where it's coming from and Okay, someone else talk. <laughs> well, I want I want you to go deeper into this because I love this. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm crying. Oh, so I don't want I to don't make you cry, but also this is like a really this is a safe space to like work yeah. through this shit. There was there was a story that like I kept thinking of that I've never talked about with anyone. This is not gonna be horrifying. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> okay, it's this is not horrifying at all. But it, I, it's something I just think about all the time, and I've never actually like like told this story to someone else. Once again, not horrifying. No real reason why I've, like, covered it up. But I, I thought about it during uh, this movie, and it was I was, like, 15, 16, and we were, like, at our youth group, and they would always have kind of the older, the, like, seniors do the message, you know? Like, we didn't... Our youth priest or... Our youth pastor would talk to us, but it was usually, like, like members of our congregation. And, um... And we were in this separate youth thing, right? And uh, he told this story about his friend that had been like an atheist and he kept talking to him and he finally kind of got through to him and the guy had like texted him like, I think I want to learn about God. I think I want to come to church and get saved. And he was like, great. And then he didn't follow up immediately and the guy died. Oh my God. And I remember, like, the lights were off. We just had, like, one light in there, and everyone got up, and we all just, and it's, like, group of, like, 40 people, and we all got up, and we, like, held each other and all cried. Mm-hmm. And the fucking, and it's the fear of fucking God in you, of, like, the people around me that don't believe in this are going to die and disappear forever. And go to hell. They're not gonna have a peaceful afterlife. And that's... I don't know. Death is such a scary thing for so many people. I understand that. Uh, and I, I feel so bad about how I treated my friends and, like, how I talked to them. Mm-hmm. Trying to convert them. But it was just, like, the fucking fear of them disappearing. Yeah. For a lifetime of hell. And now, like, I don't believe in hell. And it's like, how could you make someone fucking believe that that's where they're going? Yeah. And I, I am a, the child of a gay lady, so I had two moms in middle school. I heard all the time that I was going to hell because my mom was gay. Because so your mom? I suppressed, yeah, because my mom was gay. And I suppressed a lot of homophobia. I actually just recently talked to my therapist about this. She was like, why don't you do... I'm openly bisexual but i don't actually date many women my therapist asked me why and i was like i think it's a lot of internalized homophobia and she's like but your mom's gay and i was like i know but every single person throughout my life has been made had made me feel ashamed of the fact that my mom was gay and the fact that i was then attracted to women after the fact 
like we had this one service where our youth pastor was trying to get us to think about like the music and the stuff we listened to and he was and he brought up how gays had reappropriated the rainbow oh wow and took something good and turned it bad and i still think about that every time i see a rainbow flag i still think about that but this has been reframed of course in your mind because no no it hasn't i know i intellectually i know i have a rainbow flag in my room and but i still just always want to take it down because i kind of hate it because emotionally i am ashamed of it and i know that like we took something and we took something good and we made it bad because that was taught to me at such a young age and i can't get away from that feeling Mm. anyway sister act sister act (laughs) jesus christ actually do we mind if we take a uh five minute poop break sure we can all just regroup yeah (laughs) yeah i will be right back hey robin How are you doing? I'm I'm legitimately like never talked about this stuff and that's why it's like coming out like this. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I I really do I like talking about uh the Bible and Jesus and philosophy because I like talking about philosophy. Yeah. But I don't like talking about or thinking about the church as an institution, as an establishment especially the rituals that I went through as a kid, the things that I did. I know, and that's what's so fucked up, is that it's... We're kids. It should should be an adult decision. And, like, I got baptized when I was, like, 14, and I remember thinking, like, yeah, that's how I'd want it to be. I'd want to be old enough to understand it. And I was like, bitch, you weren't old enough to Before we officially start back up, Catherine, I want to say something. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm what? very proud that you laid that all bare. Yeah. Um, I... <laughs> I know that it wasn't easy because I was kind of, I, I heard you tearing up and then I was like, if she wants to stop, I'm going to let her stop. But I'm going to, I tried to like weasel it out of you a little bit, but. Yeah. I mean. I, I think. Using this space to process those things is a good thing. We're all best friends. We can speak pretty fucking freely. Yeah. I want those things to be said is the thing. Yeah. And letting them out is kind of the first step in healing those things. Because yeah. I think like we, t- we talk about like how Catholic priests and stuff like that, but not a lot of people... It's not as common that people talk about... Right. I mean, it happens, but, like, the actual everyday trauma for young people who grew up Catholic or Christian, like, Catholic guilt is a real fucking thing. Evangelicals have their own version of that, like... Because I wasn't, like, Baptist or Mormon or Catholic. mm -hmm. I was non-denominational Christian. Yeah. At, like, a church that a lot of people, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't a crazy church. It was a normal church. Yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah, we just we just took a little potty break. Um, when 
when you guys stepped out, I, like, got on Facebook, and the first thing that was on my Facebook feed was um, an advertisement for The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, boy. <laughs> With all of them, like, standing in front of the Washington mon- Monument, but they've changed to look like a cross. <laughs> wow, that is a lot. But right now, because I usually have it just open to our audacity, and right now I have it open to our video chat, and I see, like, my love tattoo, and it makes me feel good about yeah where we're all at now yeah (laughs) i think i'm just yeah i apologize to everyone for the crying i'm very tired i've been working very hard (laughs) (laughs) i had expected this to just be a fun romp about the music and sister act and then suddenly we start talking about church (laughs) (laughs) hey you said you wanted to have a good discussion about christianity and here we are I didn't think I was gonna talk about those things though. I thought we were, I you know, I thought we were all gonna have, you know, like a step away, a logical, mm-hmm. which Robin was trying to have, and then I just went down <laughs> like I went down a tunnel while he was talking and was just like, oh. <laughs> um, do, uh, uh, to, uh, where where do we go from here? I want to talk about the non-religious aspect of the movie. Yeah, let's Ooh. do that. Let's yeah, let's do that. Let's it is a secular. triumphant movie. Absolutely. And you don't see that a lot in movies these days. I don't know. I don't know that I felt triumph at, at the end of a movie in a long while. Especially mm. just a standalone. Like it's not a superhero movie. It's accessible. It's for women. You know, it's like targeted towards women. Mm-hmm. And we don't have those big moments of you know destiny and triumph at the end where they specifically in that movie some of the lyrics of that last song are like he is my destiny and i'm like that's not Mm -hmm. a word you hear in like these yeah female movies yeah i'm trying to think of like any other female-centric movie that uses destiny and fate and like those kinds of words those kinds of concepts in a way that's actually positive yeah um, I mean, may- maybe I kind of just wanted to explore the idea of, of like triumph in a movie as being something that is it's a separate emotion from just like feeling good. It's not just a happy ending, you know, mm-hmm. it's like almost like a boxing movie or something where the, the guy wins at the end. Right, right, right. You know, right. It, I, I'm thinking the same kind of emotional response that I had to this movie when I saw it when I was younger. I had a similar response to the movie The Cinderella Man. Oh. Which, which is a very different kind of movie. Which is a male-centric, yeah, male-targeted movie. That's really interesting to think about, because this is like such a female cast and such a female premise. But the beats and the emotions are similar to like a sports movie, which is almost saying that like a sports movie isn't necessarily a sports movie. There's something underneath it. There's the triumph tale mm-hmm. that gets squandered on well not squandered but it's only usually used for these male kind of movies because when we think of like what is a female movie it's usually like a rom-com so the end is getting the guy but this movie is you're correct it's about triumph it's about overcoming all this stuff and like the end of this movie really shook me <laughs> um, the I will follow him fantastic song such a good song oh, beautiful yeah, and uh it cuts to Whoopi, the, the, the shot. It's panning over the nuns, and then we cut to Whoopi. She's not wearing her habit. 
she has the hair that yeah. she had before, which so I thought good. was which I thought was great because it's like we're seeing both parts of her. We're seeing where she was before, and we sh- mm-hmm. we're seeing what she learned, and they've come together. Mm-hmm. And sh- the look in her face was just pure love and joy. It was so joyous. Yeah, and I was thinking that same thing. And I thought she just played it so well, and it was just so raw. They did it. They fucking did it, and they're so happy. And that's something you don't see from her at the beginning of the movie or throughout the movie, especially, yeah. like, when she's with the boyfriend, is love. Mm-hmm. And she loves these women, and it's just that shot is masterful. Yeah. It's just, like, well done, well acted, well edited. Good work, And there's everyone. a lot of love in the room, too. It's not just her. It's, like, everybody watching. Because yeah. n- now, at this point, the church is full. The church has not been full in years and now they have all of these people who are like glad to be there to hear what Dolores was able to bring to the church the church has been transformed in love as well as Dolores has been and the Pope's there and the Pope has shown up and he's he's like bopping along to the song it's so cute um that's one thing like one of the ways that they make this movie triumphant is they manipulate so many variables. <laughs> yeah. Like the fact oh, yeah. that Whoopi Goldberg uh, takes over the choir, they have a performance at church, and then the scene that brings everybody inside is they're just singing in the choir, and all of the people sitting around on the streets outside are like, what's that music? Let's go inside. That's never happened. No, never. (laughs) But think about it. If you lived in this neighborhood, I'm sure you've probably heard a lot of bad singing from that church, right? Yeah. And then suddenly you hear something very, very good. I mean, even if I was a cool, cool teenager, I feel like I'd be like, what the fuck is happening in there? Especially if you're just, most of them are just (laughs) hanging around talking outside and they've been out there forever. And then it's suddenly like, whoa, there's like actual music coming on. Let's go see what's happening. Like, it's it's been like that for years, right? Like, it's just Mm -hmm. been shitty, awful. And it's like, oh, they're playing like decent music. Let's go see what's happening. I just, I don't buy it. But that's so iconic of the, like, Christian thing is, like, you're supposed to, like, bring in people and teach them the word of God and just that image of all of these, this diverse group just being like, oh, God coming in and just. Yeah. And then so many of them do that, that the Pope literally hears about it. Yeah, the Pope (laughs) hears about it in the Vatican. But honestly, like. They're singing. That was a fucking bop. It was I, a fucking bop. You're I right. Would, I would go every week. Well, maybe. I <laughs> I would go once in a while to hear the singing, and that's it. Before we before we got into this podcast, I was still in the like, yeah, I would go see them. Now I don't know. <laughs> now I'm like, if Whoopi just... Goldberg was like the leader, I probably would. She did her own <laughs> singing for this. I was looking at that because her singing voice doesn't sound like her speaking voice at all. Yeah, I was thinking no, it, it doesn't. to be. But it's she her. She did her own singing. The and only I... person who didn't actually sing for themselves was uh, Sister Mary Roberts. Right. But I thought Whoopi did great. I thought She was she amazing. Sa- she sounded yeah. amazing. Yeah, great voice. I was The first thing I looked up was like, is that her singing voice? Because it just didn't sound like her. And, you're, and you don't think of Whoopi as like a singer, you know? The yeah. way that you think of like Bette Midler. But I thought she did fantastic. 
all the singing. Kathy and then Jimmy. Kathy and then Jimmy. Oh my god. <laughs> I was watching this. Um, this is completely not relating to singing, but I was watching this. Uh, interview with Kathy Najimi and the woman who played Sister Mary Roberts and Whoopi and Kathy Najimi was t- going on this story about how um, <laughs> they would travel around Vegas in their habits doing like crazy things like they'd just be like outside smoking or one time they ordered room service and Kathy Najimi thought it would be really funny to turn on porn so that the person who brought up the rune service would think that a bunch of nuns were watching porn. Also, they ordered wine. Yeah, they ordered wine and french fries. Yeah. <laughs> and she made uh, the woman who plays Sister Mary Roberts just sit on the edge of the bed staring at it. <laughs> and she was like, come on in, come on in, bring it in. And the guy was like, uh. That's amazing. I love that so much. I read, like, the second half of that was, like, they had a bet about whether or not the sister mary roberts could like keep from laughing and she started laughing halfway through so she had to give kathy and jimmy a hundred bucks <laughs> i want to find out her name because i feel like we it's keep mentioning wendy her something yeah, wendy something something like that wendy I mckenna sh- i sorry I wendy mckenna close. if you ever hear this See? we could not remember your name i just wanted to prove i was close <laughs> you were very close yeah i was very close someone owes me a hundred bucks no not wait me. i miss anime month <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. So I keep, whenever I post on social media, I always make a point to say that Anime Month is over, and it's always makes my heart hurt a little bit. Yeah, it was so fun. I loved it. It was a lot of work. I mean, as listeners, I hope you let us know what you thought of Anime Month and that kind of theme month. We really liked doing it. So if you want us to do something like that again, please let us know. I would love to be doing Anime Month every January. Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah. I've thrown out the ones I think we should do next year. Really? I think we should do either One Piece or Bleach. Mm-hmm. And I'd really like to do Fruits Basket, because that's kind of my other Oron. We should do a movie as well. Uh, Akira. That's, like, Akira. that's more popular than Ghost in the Shell. Those two, like, go hand in hand. Somebody told me we needed to watch either Full Metal Alchemist or Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, Cowboy yeah. Bebop. Those are both great suggestions, being good with either of those. Because I think those kind of hit all our points. That's huge movie, uh, shoujo, mm-hmm. the fruits basket. And then, like, if we did, you know, in Full Metal Alchemist or what was the other one? Uh, Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, those are kind of more shonen and then one of the big three. Yeah. Yeah, those hit all our points. Anyways, we have a year to figure it out, so it's fine. <laughs> we don't have to figure it out right now. I'm gonna do it whether or not you guys liked it. I'm a yeah, person too. Yeah, we're just too. gonna do it, guys. I'm a person too. What else did we enjoy about Sister Act? Sister Act. Back in the habit. <laughs> Wait, no, that's number two. I will follow him. But no, the music was so good in this movie. Like. Yeah. As a non-religious person, I still really enjoyed this, like, music that existed before turned into religious music. Yeah. I still enjoyed it. It was great. I I love the choice to have her really, in, really love 50s and 60s girl groups, which she defines in uh, Sister Act 2. She says she likes that, but mm-hmm. I like that you can just pick that up from watching this, because a lot of times... 
you don't think of in writing you don't think about the quirks of a person right like and i i like that her quirk is so well defined you can say a lot about sister mary clarence mm-hmm. you know you know what she likes you know what she doesn't like and i really liked that scene where she um started to take over the choir so i'm somebody who's been in choir most of my young life um Wherever i was in choir goes. throughout <laughs> middle school and i did a little bit of stuff in high school but not not towards the later years but i did do musical theater so this like environment is very familiar to me and robin this is a familiar environment to you too <laughs> but that scene was so that's exactly how qu- unregulated choirs will do i was very much the kathy najimi character where i was this boisterous loud soprano (laughs) (laughs) that could hit all those fucking notes and nobody could stop me but it would take somebody like sister mary clarence to be like you have to join the group yeah yeah. I, I, I watched an interview where Kathy Najimi could actually sing and she mm-hmm. said she went and did like a normal song and they went, Do you have anything else? And she's like, I, I have this like really funny opera voice. <laughs> and they were like, Do that. That's funny. <laughs> and that's how that happened. I don't know if it's clear to the listeners at home. Robin and Madison both uh, are trained vocal performers with talent, ah. not just talent, but skill. And while Catherine loves music (laughs) and likes to sing it, she can't do it well. But she's not going to stop because she's drunk. And she she cried today. Okay. Give us us your best. I uh... will follow him. (laughs) How how was Adam last night? I heard that Maroon 5 really stunk up the joint at the Super Bowl. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, I didn't watch it. I played Dungeons and Dragons. Did anybody watch it? No, I was watching Sister Act. <laughs> Robin, did you watch it? Well, yeah. How was Maroon 5? I don't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Gaga knocked my socks off, so... Yeah. I remember he took his shirt off at one point. Oh. Yeah, I remember Twitter blowing up about that. I, I had just, like, gone over to Facebook for a second and saw someone just, like, blasting into Adam Levine, like, one of my friends who studied music in college. And I was like, shit, the Super Bowl's halfway done. I forgot it was <laughs> happening. Because I, like, looked up the score and it was still 3-3. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't go to the bar to watch it. Good job, football boys. No, 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 no. We don't say good job, football boys, if the Pats won. I don't know anything about football. We don't like Tom Brady kisses his son oh. on the mouth. Oh, they, oh no. That's the worst you, fact about him. Have you seen that video? No. No. Everyone drop what you're doing. Go Google okay. Tom Brady kisses his son on the mouth. It's worse than I'm even like describing oh, it right don't now. Know. It's, it's so bad. I don't want to do this. Madison. Tom Brady's the one who deflated the footballs against us and beat us. We don't <gasps> like him. That's evil. Yeah, that's why we don't Ew. like him. That's deflate gate. Okay, I'm not like horribly offended by the idea of a kid kissing their parent on the lips. What the fuck? <laughs> 
I don't think there's anything wrong with kissing your parents on the lips, but go watch this video. It's so It's not up. good. Everybody Google Tom Brady <laughs> kisses his son on the lips. No, Tom Brady's a monster. I don't even kiss my girlfriend on the mouth. Wait. Oh, oh. is there Wait, news here? No, I mean, I'm kidding. I wish I had one. Because you, you don't have a girlfriend. Yeah. So you don't kiss her on the mouth. Yeah. I kiss my dog on the mouth. Ew. Yeah, that also is disgusting. I don't even no, it's kiss, great. I don't even kiss my own vagina on the mouth. Yeah, Robin, do you kiss your own vagina? Wait. I can't reach there. Now let's be Aww. politically correct. Do you like to call your penis a penis or a vagina? I just call it Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's a good thing we could do going forward. Is yes. uh, always have a, you know, how's Lucas at the top of each episode. But <laughs> oh, no. you don't know what we're talking about unless you listen to Sister Act episodes. So people are listening because they keep asking me what happens when we put their name in the witching jar. They're okay. Let's be. Let's talk about the witching jar a little bit. We really yeah, we, need we to. don't know. It's a, it's mysterious. Also, like we can't even promise. We can't even promise whether it's going to be a good or a bad thing. But let's just say it could be might, catastrophic. Your name in the witching jar might have something to do with a tattoo on my body it's it's in discussion yeah 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 um i have a ceremony that we need to perform yeah we have three names that need to go into the witching jar oh boy and i would like to ceremonially place them let's do it so we have two donors that we want to thank oh boy oh boy so jake willis is going into the witching jar. Everybody give him a round of applause. Next, we have Justin Gilstrap going into the witching jar. Justin. He, he was also the one who suggested Return to Oz. Yeah, he's nice. probably our best friend. For the last one, we have one more. Yes, that was something, at something. least. Yeah. And we last but not least, we have Danny Targo, yes. who is going into the witching jar for following us on all the things. Danny Targo is my Duh. favorite social media follower person. Yeah, she's great. Did she suggest something too, I feel like? Fern Gully. She suggested Fern Gully, That's which came out last week. Don't I'm lighting some Palo Santo and uh, christening the witching jar. Uh, Justin, Jake, and Danny, if something magical happens to you in the next, you know, week or so, you let us know. See what's happening let's, with this witching jar. Let's be transparent here because I could use the feedback. I like tattoos. I've wanted a lip tattoo because they go away in like three years. I'm up for, like, something... We talked about, like, maybe someone in the witching jar gets to pick which Pokemon name gets to go on my lip. Ooh, that's a good option. If that sounds good, that's up for grabs. We can discuss it. Or if something spontaneously happens to you that we are not under control of, tell yeah. us so we can know, does going in the witching jar mean your car breaks down? 
Yeah. Does it mean your wallet gets stolen? Hey. (laughs) That was not a nice time to call my name out. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. It's we don't know what the witching jar does, okay? It just is. We're trying to find it out. It's a mysterious magical entity. So much more complex than what our mortal minds can comprehend. Exactly. Just like Jesus. <laughs> Way to bring it back to Sister Act. Sister Act. <laughs> okay. Should so... we close out this episode by singing a song of praise to the witching jar? Yes! My jar, jar, jar is, is an awesome, awesome jar. jar. It rains from the like hands of with wisdom, wisdom That's so sad to me that like I had a breakdown in the middle of this and then we're like, here's the fun song we say about church Jar on me when you're not jar. Jar. I'll, I'll help, help you, you carry jars, but five. Five. it won't be long. Short, Short. I'm gonna need elbow somebody to jar on. <laughs> that is really funny. You've been listening to Grow Up, a Saturday morning podcast <laughs> with Maddie Gray, Robin Kopick, and Katherine Johnson. To make a suggestion, tweet the name of your favorite television show, movie, book, video, or book of the Bible to at Grow the Pot Up with a brief message about why it was meaningful to you. This is not new. We're If we use your suggestion <laughs> in an episode, we're going to get you a sticker. If you've already suggested something and it ended up in an episode and you haven't heard from me to get a sticker, then you email me right now, okay? You email me. Uh, email voice messages for any new suggestions to grow the pot up at gmail.com. Dot com, and we will send you that sticker. This episode features the song Enthusiast by Tools. Like what you hear? We hope so. If you do, please leave us a review on iTunes or on our social, on our f- f- Facebook page. How do you get into the witching jar? One, I don't know. you donate on Patreon. Any any level of donation on Patreon will get you into the witching jar. Right to the witching jar. Two, you can follow us on all the social media things you can like us on facebook you can follow us on instagram and you can follow us on twitter and three uh yeah leave a review uh leave a review on itunes leaving a review is so nice yeah, <laughs> yeah it it's is. very nice it's the easiest way if you just say you like you want to get in the witching jar our social media is at grow the pot up on everything you'll find us twitter instagram tumblr and facebook join us next time yeah. for ah real monsters no do it for real <laughs> how, how do how am i saying it am i saying ag no it's no it's like it's uh it's join us next time for ah real monsters all happy jobs